This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim 365, Radio Sikkim365.com. It is Tuesday, July the 12th as we record this. Tomorrow, Big 12 Media Days will get underway uh, over the course of Wednesday and Thursday out at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, so we are gearing up for that. And I guess we'll review that a little bit uh, when we join you next week, but uh, for the time being, a little bit of a preview I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim 365 Radio. Catch me 3 to 6, Monday through Friday. Also, Sikkim365.com writer. Joined, as always, by Grayson Grunhafer, Director of Broadcasting. Also, uh, you can catch him reporting on all things team and recruiting as well. i got Jack and Garrett behind the scenes. And Garrett, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Grayson, here we are. Big 12 Media Days. Uh, it is upon us. So, uh, as I said in the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the offseason's pretty much over now it's the preseason now as we we talk yeah and I mean it went by really quick right because if you remember we were kind of talking about how it's a slow and, and dead period throughout June and luckily we had so much recruiting to talk about that that just didn't end up being the case and now it's July and it's already here media days are here fall camp will start early in August as well. So there's a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting things. And right now, Baylor and looking like they're in a pretty good shape, at least according to the media. Yeah, uh, we will get into what's been already sent out from Big 12 Media Days uh, in terms of the, the preview of it is sending out these all Big 12 awards and how the media voted and how the teams are ranked. And, and that's where we'll start. We'll also get into some basketball as Scott Drew and the men were out at the Global Jam uh, competing and uh, getting the opportunity to kind of get an early run with some version of this team, not the full-blown version of this team, because there are some guys that are injured right now. But we did get a little bit of a preview of that as well. So we'll dip into some hopes. But uh, starting off with basketball, uh, the Bears, uh, starting off with uh, football, I should say, uh, the Bears, for the first time ever, uh, considered – uh, by the media to be the favorites going into the football season, voted the top team in the Big 12, ranked number one, 17 first place votes, uh, as voted on, as I said, by the Big 12 media. Uh, Oklahoma, 12 first place votes. They come in second overall. Uh, and by the way, 365 points is the, the total vote tally. I know that's not going to mean much to everybody, but when all calculated, Baylor does end up with the most points and the most first place votes in the Big 12 uh, preseason media poll. So 17 first place votes, 365 points overall. Oklahoma in second, 12 first place votes, 354. Got Oklahoma State at, at third uh, with nine first place votes. Texas with two. Uh, they end up in fourth, followed by K State. Iowa State got one first place vote. I don't know what that was about. Like that was totally random and either the most homer pick of all time or uh, just somebody accidentally. F- sent in like last year's ballot or something. I, I, I really am scratching my head on that one, but okay. Uh, TCU 7, West Virginia 8, Texas Tech 9, and Kansas 10. So uh, the Bears, whichever way you look at it, 
they are the favorites heading into this Big 12 football season. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised by this. I think as the season has kind of drawn closer, I continue to, to look at Oklahoma and go, okay, so you're telling me they get Baylor, Oklahoma State at home in Texas on a neutral site? I mean, it's going to be tough for teams to beat Oklahoma. Like, Oklahoma's not just going away, and their schedule really sets up nicely for them to possibly make a run at the top spot, and I think their schedule is the most favorable. So I was a little surprised to see Baylor at the number one spot. Um, I definitely think Baylor, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State are the three best teams in this conference. I, I don't think there's too much debate about that. Um, and I think Texas has a really high ceiling. So I understand them being at four. Um, those were some of my main takeaways. The other one that kind of stood out to me was West Virginia at eight. Um, I actually think they're probably more like sixth in my eyes. I, I think they're probably sixth or fifth somewhere in there with, you know, in that range with Texas, Kansas State, um, and West Virginia. And I, I think they should be ahead of Iowa State. But outside of that, I didn't really have too many things of note or too many things I, I strongly disagreed with. Yeah, I think you could have gone with a you know, any of four teams, and it made a good argument for why they're number one. I mean, honestly, I think Baylor's got an argument. I think Oklahoma's got an argument. I think Oklahoma State, their argument's starting to not be as strong, but I think they could say, like, hey, they could jump up and win it this year, and Texas certainly can. I mean, I think K-State feels like they can win it this year. I think Iowa State feels like they're flying under the radar and might be better than people expect based on reading their tea leaves. I think TCU's sitting in the shadows, and no one's really expecting anything of them. Uh, this year, but that's a great time to jump up and bite somebody is when nobody's really paying attention to you, and I really don't think many people are paying attention to them right now. West Virginia, uh, JT Daniels has flipped them from thinking this might be Neil Brown's last year to thinking they could win the Big 12, uh, and then Texas Tech, I, I do think that, you know, like the Athletic had an article on them, and I know they got the big donation, so that that made some news, a uh, big facilities donation, but, again, I, I've been saying, like, I, I'm not buying this whole first-year Joey McGuire. Like, if they win four games, it'd be great. And all this BS downplaying that people are doing with this team. He returned – like, he inherited – saying, like, what most coaches inherit, dude. So, I've been pretty strong on the – like, they should make a bowl game this year. And, and people are – well, it's the first year. Like, go read that article and tell me why they shouldn't make a bowl game this year outside of the schedule. The schedule, as you point out, for Oklahoma is favorable. For them, it's not as favorable, but – like, I realize somebody's got to be ninth, but that's a pretty good ninth-place team in my mind. Uh, so, you know, and I think Kansas will be better. So I think this is going to be a really interesting uh, and tough year for, for all the teams in the Big 12. Yeah, and that's a problem because, you know, if you look at West Virginia being at eight, I mean, Neil Brown's fired if they're at eight, I think. I, I don't see any way he survives that unless Kansas and Tech are absolutely horrible and don't win a single game, and I, I don't see that happening either. So... Um, West Virginia's got to be better than that. As far as tech goes, uh, my expectation is that they are going to be second from the bottom. I, I don't think they're going to be that great. And I know they return a lot. I know Sonny Cumbie won a lot of games as the head coach last year. So that makes you think Joey should just go in there and win these games. But they do have a tough schedule. I do think they're still a little ways behind as far as, you know, trying to get to the level of talent that they need to get. They still don't have a quarterback, in my opinion. They need to figure that out. Um, so I think it's fine to have them at ninth, but I understand what you're saying. Like, you just poured in $200 million to a new facility. You got this new coach. You've had, like, 12 uh, articles from The Athletic over the entire offseason talking like about recruiting. 12 and, transfers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they legit. I mean, they, they, or no, I think it's, like, a thing in the article that says 11 transfers. You got four quarterbacks yeah. returning that all played last year. 
Um, you know, a lot. I mean, I'm just saying, if you read the Max Olsen's doing the state of the programs. And, and a lot of returning guys, too. A ton of returning guys. So it's like the only reason you would say they're not going to be anything but ninth is because Joey McGuire is a first-year head coach. That's legitimately, like, the main reason why you would say that besides the schedule. And the schedule is is what it is. I mean, it's not like... They play Bama and Wisconsin and Michigan, but they do play Houston and NC uh, State. And, and uh, you know, NC State will be good, but that's not like you know playing Ohio State or anything. So, yeah. um, so I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Twelve. I'm just saying if they're ninth, then they're a really loaded team for a first year head coach coming back to be the ninth team. So, point being, the Big Twelve is going to be really tough, and I'm not necessarily buying that they're going to be like. Be great if we make a bowl game. Um, I I think that that's downplaying just to be able to kind of safely overshoot and and I can see that the way that's being set up so they're looking good or better than I think they're being given credit for first year coach or not I think a couple teams are flying under the radar that could be better than expected like I said with Iowa State uh, for example Um, K-State should be should be better it seems like they're really set up and you know I mean just on and on you can go through every team and we kind of have but Man, it's uh, it's anybody's guess. Like, if you just want to say Baylor's going to win the Big 12, fine. If you want to say Texas is going to win it, like, they very well could, as loaded as they are. Uh, Oklahoma, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a really interesting year. Again, that's all, that's all I can say about the Big 12, and we're about to find out a lot more about it over the next couple of days. So, I know at the top you mentioned that you don't think Oklahoma State really has a claim to the number one spot or that you feel like they're kind of... I just said if you want to vote them, that. I'd oh, be okay. understanding I, th- I thought you were saying that they've kind of fallen off being in the in the top spot. But, okay, I just – because I feel like they're right there, like with the other two at the top. Um, I, I haven't said anything about Oklahoma State. I mean, if anything, I've said stuff about Oklahoma, I think, being uh, a tad inflated uh, because of just the fact that they're Oklahoma because yeah. I, don't, I don't get why they're being hyped up as much as they are. I'm, I'm glad that it was actually interesting to see them not uh, at number one. But, yeah, you can make a case for them. Um, you can make a case for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I definitely am not denying Oklahoma State's got a chance. Yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting how this is going to all play out. I, I think those three teams are going to separate themselves by the end, uh, but you never know. You know, we've seen in this conference a dark horse like a Kansas State, you know, find a way to win the conference. I mean, Baylor did it a year ago, uh, a team that no one was talking about. They were projected to win five and a half games, and they went in and won the Big 12. Um, I don't think that's going to happen with anyone in the conference this year. I do think it will be one of those four, to probably one of those three teams, but I do think Texas is probably the one that's kind of lurking there as, okay, they could get to the Big 12 championship, and if everything comes together, they could win the Big 12, but my money would be on one of those top three teams winning the Big 12 championship this year. Yeah, I, I think, again, you could make a case for six or seven out of the ten, um, and I, you know, I wouldn't go so far with putting Tech or Kansas or – even really West Virginia, for that matter, or TCU probably in the championship game. I wouldn't feel good about placing any of those teams there. But like if one of them ran up and got in there, uh, you know, I think it would be surprising. But, you know, depending on who it is and how they did it, not totally surprising. Because, again, TCU's just sort of flying under the radar. No one's talking about them. They're just quietly going about their business. Um, you know, again, like I said, West Virginia, the JT Daniels makes a huge difference for them. Uh, Texas Tech, I think, has got way more coming back and are kind of like downplaying what they've got coming back. And I think Kansas would be better and could very well jump up and bite somebody. So even the bottom, who you might not think has a real legit shot, still going to be capable of upsetting some teams. So I I think it's going to be a really tough year and not one where you can just chalk up wins 
as though they're, you know, going to be free. Uh, I, I think everyone's going to be tough, even if you're talking about the Jayhawks, you know, and I know people roll their eyes or whatever, but, you know, make the Texas joke and what have you, but that's the moment that they so, suddenly turn around and, you know, you're in a tight game with them going, oh, crap, and here we are because they're going to play hard, that's for sure, and I don't know how much that will turn into wins, but they're going to play hard, and they'll be better uh, just simply because Lance Leipold's got more time in the system now. So, uh, yeah, I think – uh, they'll still drag the bottom, um, and the race at the top is going to be fascinating, but a whole lot of, of battles will go on in between, that's for sure. Yeah, if Kansas wins two games in the Big 12 this year, that's going to be a huge problem uh, for a lot of these teams trying to make a bowl, um, unless they you know get up and beat one of the top teams. But, yeah, I'm just looking at this, I'm like, man, Neil Brown's in trouble if this media poll comes out the way that it is. And I don't think it will, but he's in big trouble if they finish eighth. And also... You know, Matt Campbell, he's gotten all this hype. And, I mean, Iowa State's sixth. I mean, yeah, it's cool they got a first-place vote. And I know Iowa State, maybe their expectations aren't crazy high every year. But I feel like with all the hype that he's gotten over his time in Ames, that you would think that that program would have more stability than, you know, being picked sixth in the conference. Um, I, you know, I know what you're saying, but I think that they are totally content and that's all that matters. I think, I think Iowa State fans are happy with Matt Campbell and sure they want a little bit more, but I think they mostly realize they're Iowa State and, you know, yeah, at some point you want to win the Big 12 and last year I, I can't, I mean, he, they tried to spin that like a positive last year. That's BS. That was not. That was a year where they did not win what they were supposed to win with the team that they had. They they definitely underachieved. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care that I won there every day, uh, Matt Campbell. I don't care. Like, I saw that team that you had and the way people were talking about him. Y'all underachieved, bottom line. Um, but they were still a good team. And I just think, hey, you lose Brock Purdy and you lose – your star running back and you lose everybody that you lost. I think they're just kind of going about their business behind the scenes as well. But folks in Ames that know what's what, uh, I mean, they're in no position to sit there and demand more or, you know, we can do better than, uh, no, no, you cannot not do better than Matt Campbell and you never have. So I think that they realize that. And that's why, you know, maybe around here, people are a little bit more entitled or spoiled because there's been success and so, hey, if you're not scratching that Big 12 championship itch, then maybe people start to talk a little bit. And maybe there's some of that in Ames, but I think for the most part, they, they recognize who they are. And as long as they're competitive and every once in a while competing, you know, and, and staying, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas and playing them tight and every once in a while beating them, I, I think that that's probably going to make him – you know, last as long as he wants to out there. You would think, you would think, but there have been high expectations for them, and he's been there a long time, but I get it. It's Iowa State, right? So I do want to mention there's a huge separation in points between number five and number six. Do you feel like there's a huge separation between, like, Kansas State and the rest of the conference? Like, do you think that top five is, is clearly separated like that? Mm. Like, do you think it's like tier one is Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, then tier two is Texas and Kansas State, and then, you know, you got tier three with, you know, Iowa State, TCU, West Virginia being really far behind? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's some of that. Um, I think that top tier is actually uh, the top five. Mm. Uh, as far as teams, I think, can win the title. Uh, so I'll put K-State, I think, can win it. I think Texas can win it. I think the Oklahoma schools can win it. I think Baylor can win it. So I'd say it's those five. I'd say uh, six, seven, and eight are uh, – I'd say six, seven, eight, nine are the tier two, and then I'd say Kansas is tier three. Okay. So I'd say there's three tiers. Okay. Uh, that tier two I don't think is going to win it, even though someone believes Iowa State will. 
Um, you know, I th- this year to do that, I just think that that's a little goofy. Um, but, hey, maybe that's why they're moving in silence and they're going to surprise everybody. Uh, last year, yeah, right on, man. But this year, that's just that's wild that somebody picked them. It was an Iowa first. State person, I guarantee I had it. to be. Like, yeah. There to be one person to do that. Um, so... I'm not buying that, but yeah, I mean, I'd lump them in with TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech is like, who the heck knows really what they're all going to be. They could all be, I think they could all be better than expected. They could all be worse than expected because what's the expectations for Iowa State? I mean, really, does anybody have a, like a dead set expectation for them? Not really. No, like win a bowl or being a bowl game is yeah, probably six it, right? Six, yeah. Uh, TCU, I mean, what are the expectations? There's none. Uh, West Virginia, what are the expectations? They better make a bowl or their coach is going. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like you make a bowl game, but besides that, there's really nothing that you're clamoring for. Texas Tech, they're already they're on, they're playing yeah. it on their own. They're like, no, we don't need to make a – we're not supposed to make a bowl game this year. So, yeah, I kind of lumped them all in together. Whereas the top five, they all feel like they can win the title. K-State feels like they can win it this year. Uh Whew. You That's, don't think so? I don't. I mean, I'm not necessarily buying it, but there's a lot of people that are very high I, on K-State. I know, and I and I get why. Like, they're so solid, but I just I don't think they have the talent to actually win the Big 12 championship. I think they're one of those teams that are going to get, you know, everyone's hyping them up kind of like Iowa State, and, and everyone's like, oh, they're going to be so good. And then when they get on the field, it's like, oh, well, they're just not as talented as some of these other teams. And I just don't think they're going to win the Big 12. I think in their biggest moments, Adrian Martinez is going to give games away. Um, and while I love Deuce Vaughn, I don't think their weapons are as scary as some of the other teams in this conference. Okay. I, yeah, so I, I think they're a floor play. I think they're a team that will probably win eight games this year, which is really good, but I don't see them winning 10, 11 games. That's, that's, what, that's how you see it. I'm saying that there's a lot of people that think they could win the conference, yeah. though. So they're, they're, that's why I put them in that top tier. So, yeah, those, those are the three tiers for me. Okay. Um, but, yeah, there's here's your Big 12 pre You got anything else on that? No, no. Let's talk about the, the All-Americans, though, or the media football team, I guess. Yeah, we got the uh, preseason All-Media team that uh, was also released in – uh, interesting to see that. You had your superlatives, B. John Robinson, Offensive Player of the Year, Felix Anaduke Yuzuma from uh, K-State, another one of their stars that is returning, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, and then Newcomer of the Year, Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel. So those are your superlatives for the 2022 All-Preseason or Preseason All-Big 12 football team. Um, elsewhere... Uh, do you have any comment on those, uh, first of all, I guess? No, I mean, a lo- all of those make sense. I feel like, you know, Dylan Gabriel is going to have to have a great year if Oklahoma is going to be really good. I think Bijan is, you know, kind of a, a fan favorite. Now, for well, me, he's, he's won a lot of preseason and offseason yeah, awards. He sure has, and I understand it. I still think Deuce Vaughn is probably better than him and more impactful for his team. Now, if you switch their places, maybe it'd be different, but I think Deuce Vaughn is probably the closest guy to being that second candidate to wing offensive player of the year. Um, but I do understand Bijan getting the, the bid. He's going to be very good this year. And then uh, Felix there at uh, Kansas State, he's a very good player. And he's one who I think a lot of people don't know a lot about. But uh, he's a, a guy who gets after the quarterback extremely well. Um, and I'm curious on the defense side. There's a lot of really good defense alignment in this conference. So I'm very curious if he ends up actually winning that award because there's a lot of guys up for, you know, potential candidates like Siaki Ika, uh, Will McDonald, Colin Oliver, Dante Stills. I mean, there's really good defense alignment in this uh, conference. So uh, it's very interesting to see him up there, but he definitely deserves it. 
And uh, I'm not going to go one by one over the entire Big 12 football team. Um, but uh, Baylor guys-wise, you've got Ben Sims, uh, tight end, Connor Galvin, and Jacob Gall on the offensive line. They make the all-Big 12 preseason offensive team. And then defensively, you've got Siaki Ika and Dylan Doyle, uh, your two representatives on the defensive side for Baylor football. So uh, Ben Sims, Connor Galvin, uh, no surprises there. Uh, quite frankly, Jacob Gall. Uh, as well, and wouldn't necessarily predicted him, but it makes sense. Uh, he had a solid year. There are like quite a few centers on this Big 12 first team offensive line. Uh, it would not really work in a, a real game, quite frankly. Uh, but you know, good for for Jacob Gall. And uh, yeah, then uh, Ika and Doyle on the defensive side. I don't think much of a surprise there. Yeah, and I don't really have an issue with anyone not making the team either. Like, I, I think this is a pretty good group that they've kind of come up with. I think the only ones who I can kind of see as, oh, maybe eventually they'll be on this list is maybe someone like a Khalil Keith or a Gabe Hall if they really have a great year, maybe even an Al Walcott. Um, but I, I think overall, this is probably the group that I would have expected with Jacob Gall, like you said, being the one that I, I wasn't sure about. But I do think Baylor deserves to have two offensive linemen on this All-Big 12 team. They're just so dominant up front. I think you could have chose uh, a couple guys for that spot. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, it's a pretty good list. Uh, not much I would really complain about. Um, you know, like I said, we both agree Gall would be the the coin flip like oh yeah he okay sure he's he's there but definitely would have had Ika on there and definitely would have had Doyle definitely Sims definitely Galvin I mean yeah. they they all make sense but besides that yeah I don't have much to really say oh that was egregious snub right there no no not really at all um, I think you know obviously Jackson player could maybe be a newcomer of the year uh, candidate um, but Gabriel of course being a quarterback being the OU quarterback among among all that and reuniting with Lebby makes sense that there's a lot of hype surrounding him uh, so yeah I think by the end of the year maybe Jackson player gets into that newcomer talk but uh, there will be some others I'm sure that emerge you had Midway star Trevi, uh, Trevious Hodges Tomlinson uh, of course uh, was a Baylor signing day commit that didn't happen that was all very weird I remember back then uh, committed, but then wasn't allowed to commit, and then no, he wasn't going to sign. Or wasn't going to sign. Yeah, so yeah. he wasn't allowed to commit. So because yeah. he wasn't going to sign, so then he ends up not signing, and ends up ends up at TCU, and he's had a really good career. So he's on the All Big Twelve team in his final year, and um, you know, congrats to him. I love watching him in high school, and and then yeah, a lot of familiar faces, quite frankly, throughout the rest of the list. Yeah, it's a really good list. I, I think you know, if you kind of look up and down, you can definitely see where the Big Twelve is going to have a lot of talent in the conference this year, which is very intriguing. Uh, the defensive line is the position where I'm just like, man, they are loaded well, up front with guys who can get after the quarterback, stop the run. It's a very, very good group this year. And uh, yeah, I feel like they got pretty much everything right. I, I really like the group that they put out there. I am curious, you know, like Spencer Sanders being the quarterback is kind of an interesting one for me. I think he deserves it, and I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, but I do think it's one at the end of the year that maybe he doesn't end up winning it. I think, you know, if you look at Dylan Gabriel or Blake Shapin or, you know, if if Kansas State makes Big 12 championship game, then even Adrian Martinez might have an opportunity, Quinn Ewers as well. So, um, yeah, that's another one that I would look at. I do want to ask you, at the end of the year, is there a comeback player of the year or anything like that in the Big 12? 
because I'm trying to think. I don't remember if there is or not. Okay, well, Squirrel would be one that I, I would potentially look at for something like that because I don't. He wouldn't count for newcomer of the year because he's played before. But yeah, I don't think there's a comeback. If I'm yeah, I don't recall there being one of those. That's but. just NFL. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, so. I mean, he, he would be, and, and I'm sure there's a billion other guys we're not even thinking of that uh, would be candidates just because we don't follow them. Yeah, um, So, yeah, I, I, but, yeah, if you were to do that, Squirrel would, would certainly be one of those guys. Um, you know, I'm not trying to downplay him too much. I just want to see it. I mean, we, we've legitimately been talking about him for three years, and we've seen uh, we, we've seen less carries than words we've said, for sure, <laughs> um, and, and or just even shows we've mentioned him. There's been more of those than there have been actual carries. So, uh, he'd be a great candidate for that, and I hope he, he'd actually be somebody we could talk about that award with by the end of the year. That's all I hope. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good and interesting year for the conference, and I think there is a bit of excitement because there is so much uncertainty. I think Baylor last year kind of burst that bubble that everybody was sort of hypnotized by Oklahoma year after year after year, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, something new and different. Oh, amazing, amazing. Not even, you know, having the same, just one familiar team in the championship game is like, brand new and it's not only brand new but it's the teams that are actually going to be representing the big 12 uh for for years to come you know that were able to go and you know get eight plus million people or whatever watching last year so it was a great end of the season for the conference and uh you know relatively to little nfl draft first round success but you look at this list and you see a lot of guys that hey uh, could be some NFL draft picks here pretty pretty soon so i think it's shaping up to be a really interesting year you got all the stuff swirling outside of the margins of play, uh, you know, with realignment and all that and who's going to be where and what and all, all these different uh, theories and set, shaping up to be a really uh, interesting season for the Big 12 is what I'm getting at. Also introducing a new commissioner uh, tomorrow. So that will be interesting to hear Brett Yormark for the first time and, and on and on and on. So, uh, again, been quite the uh, off season and, and shaping up to be quite the year for Big 12 uh, football teams. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, as much as, you know, Oklahoma and Texas fans obviously want their team to win the Big 12, it's honestly good for the conference from this point on that those two don't make the Big 12 championship or don't win the Big 12 because, you know, the Big 12 is trying to move into this new phase of the conference, this new era. And so getting teams like Baylor and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship or Kansas State, like, that's a big deal in my eyes going forward now. Obviously, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, the Big 12 is going to try to rig it so that those teams aren't in it. Not what I'm saying at all, but I think it's great for the health of the conference for things like last year to continually happen and for other teams to win the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma and Texas who are leaving for the SEC in 2025. Yeah, um, that's the plan. Uh, whether that's how it all unfolds, we will see. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely don't want to see – if I had my choice, uh, the Sooners and Longhorns, you know, winning titles on their way out the door. You'd prefer if it was a more Baylor-Oklahoma State uh, endeavor, but we'll see how it all shakes out. I know Texas uh, feels like they could certainly uh, get a share of it uh, this year, and so does Oklahoma. So, you know, we'll see how that goes for them. So that was the Big 12 preseason media poll uh, for both the uh, teams and then the players themselves and, and quite a bit of Baylor representation. First time ever on top of the preseason poll. So that's uh, of note. And uh, obviously a lot of people are buying what Dave Aranda is is putting together and has put together already in Waco. So a lot going on and going to be very interesting uh, here over the next couple of days to see you know what else emerges uh, from what your mark says or Livingstone or just the coaches. I mean, we're going to get to hear from Dave Aranda. We're going to get to hear from... Baylor's player reps, 
Uh, we're going to get to hear from every other school in the conference as well. So uh, Baylor's player reps, by the way, Bryson Jackson, uh, was it Dylan Doyle and Grant Miller, and who else am I missing there? Ooh, one more. Um, oh, you're going to make me look it up. Ah, uh, it wasn't Al Walcott. It wasn't. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I don't we'll, remember. We'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get it. But, yes, the, I think it was a good player group, and we pretty much guessed the majority of them. I mean, we talked about Dylan Doyle. Ben Sims is the other one. Yeah, Ben Sims. Um, but Dylan Doyle, Ben Sims, we talked about those two making a lot of sense. I like the addition of Grant Miller as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a good list, and I'm excited to hear from them um, going into that into that event tomorrow. I mean, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. So it's yeah, no, I, I very much can. It's been very much in my head for the last two yeah. days. Of <laughs> like uh, when I start to know I'm going out of town, I just start to, it's consumes my mind. I've basically. literally come in here for the last two weeks and thought that Baylor was on Thursday. No, it even happened again this morning. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll be up there on Thursday for the, for the Baylor media day. And uh, it's really tomorrow, so yep. we're going to be in Dallas. It's going to be it's going to be fun. Nice yep. change of pace. So Dylan Doyle, Bryson Jackson, um, Ben Sims, and again uh, Grant Miller will be the uh, Baylor player reps. So that's that's Big Twelve Media Days. There'll be a ton coming out of that, and and by the time some of you listen to this, it would already have passed. So uh, moving on to a couple of other headlines. Uh, Austin Novosad, latest update on him. Notre Dame is offered now. And uh, we had a Notre Dame writer on, not because of Novosad, because we're not going to cover his recruitment that closely. We're interviewing teams just because they offer him. That's just, that'd be ridiculous. But um, we did have a Notre Dame writer on to talk realignment. And in the process, he had mentioned that they were interested in Novosad. And then like 30 minutes later, no- Novosad posted a Notre Dame offer. So he was right on the money with that Brian Driscoll was. Uh, but uh, just the latest on on Austin's recruitment and where he stands as a Baylor commit and, and the Irish coming into play now, uh, what can you tell us? Yeah, I had mentioned Notre Dame a few weeks ago. They were a school that had been talking to him a little bit. You know, there, there's a few schools that are still poking around as well. And then Notre Dame kind of got the death nail when Dante Moore committed to Oregon. And so then they were like, okay, well, we missed on him, so now we need to go to our next guy, which is Austin Novoset. So they offered him. Um, I think it's too late. Personally, the, the Notre Dame offer is just a little too late for Austin. He's trying to figure things out with these other three schools, Ohio State, Texas a and Baylor. Um, I continue to get this sense as things have progressed that it's looking more and more like A&M versus Baylor. I know Ohio State still talks to him every week. I know they still have a great relationship, but it's just the sense that I'm getting uh, when I talk to him. I know at the end of the month, he's supposed to come to Baylor's final summer camp on July 30th, and he's going to compete, throw, um, just go through the whole camp experience. And then on July 31st, I know Texas A&M has their official visit weekend. So they're trying to get that weekend for Austin to come up to College Station. Baylor's trying to get him uh, just up for his camp, which he you know has been kind of expected to go to for the last few months. So that's kind of where we're at right now is kind of trying to figure that out. I I continue to feel like this is going to be over sooner rather than later. And I think the sooner that it's over, the better it is for Baylor. Because if he goes to the end of the month, ends up taking an official visit to A&M, you just never know. Like a lot of things can happen if you go on an official visit somewhere else, especially if it's your last official visit. Uh, So at this time, I still feel good about it being Baylor. 
I feel like Sean Bell's built a great relationship there. They continue to talk every day. They continue to stress the fact that he's the priority for them. He's been the priority for them and just kind of what he means to the Baylor program. And I think that really resonates really well with Austin. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, if I were to put money on it, I would say he's probably going to make a decision within the week. Uh, but I thought that last week and everyone thought that last week. Um, so I'm just going to kind of double down with it right now. Well, it'll be nice when it's all wrapped up and we can say definitively where he's going to college uh, because this has now been, what, like a month at least where it's been a new offer or a new question about, you know, what he's going to do. And, hey, not not my life. Uh, he can do whatever he wants. Just saying it'll be nice when that's all wrapped up and we know for sure because uh, they kind of need to know. It's July 12th, and they need to know whether they need to go get another quarterback at this point. And, um, you know, he's got obviously a huge decision to make. So, uh, he can take his time with that all he wants. But, uh, yeah, Baylor fans I know would love to to know for sure what to expect with this this quarterback uh, class um, and, you know, who's going to be leading it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a huge decision on both sides. And Baylor, like you mentioned, they got to figure out what they're going to do next if they don't end up landing Austin. I, I think, you know, right now everyone's like, oh, they need to start offering people. They need to go do this, go do that. And it's like, no, like his whole recruitment was based on the fact that Baylor – has committed everything to him. They've poured in all these resources to them. Now, that doesn't mean Baylor doesn't have a contingency plan. They're just not going to go out and start, you know, throwing out offers and exploring all these other options until their top quarterback in the 2023 class makes a decision, and that's Austin Novosad. And that's something that they can say that no other school can say. No other school can even remotely say that Austin was their top quarterback in this class besides Baylor. All right, so uh, there's the latest on Austin Nova said as he uh, has a big decision in front of him with a lot of schools pursuing him. Uh, that's football. That's where we'll leave football until we get into the mailbag, but those are pretty much the headlines. Big 12 Media Day is coming up. New commissioner is going to be introduced. Obviously, there will be some expansion talk just because of Texas and Oklahoma being there for perhaps the final time, but a lot of people were saying that last year, and here we are a year later, and they're still here. Uh, who knows whether that's the case a year from now. But uh, that will be an underlying storyline just with what else is going on in college football amongst all the usual topics. I'm sure there will be a lot of NIL yawn discussion as well uh, going on at Media Days and uh, all that jazz. So we got all that in store. It's, uh, it's officially the, the preseason. It's no longer the offseason now that we have Big 12 Media Days starting up. Uh, and then Austin Nova said, uh, obviously with the decision hopefully coming sooner rather than later. And, and for Baylor, if they could s uh, cement him, that would go a long way to just the way the rest of this thing plays out. Uh, so elsewhere, uh, not a whole lot to report on. You know, Mitch Thompson still putting together the baseball staff and, and all that. Um, kind of the, the calm before the storm in some ways. You know, finishing touches for fall sports is they're going to start getting underway here pretty soon as far as preparations go and all that. Um, but elsewhere, uh, basketball – uh, men's basketball in particular, actually playing games. Uh, the, you know, the, the invite to, to participate in the Global Jam, represent Team USA, uh, can't pass that up. And it's certainly interesting to see like a, a mixture of new and old and you know, available and, and you know, certainly guys that were unavailable, uh, allowing some guys to see even more time. But uh, a real interesting preview of Baylor men's basketball uh, before next season, seeing them participate in Global Jam. And it uh, wasn't the best as far as results goes. One and four. 
for the Bears still because of the setup. They just had to win one game to get into the championship game, which is kind of weird, but that's the way it was set up. And uh, they do get themselves into the championship game and fall short as Brazil gets the win in the Global Jam gold medal game, uh, 77 to 73 on Sunday. Uh, Keontae George uh, was fantastic. I mean, he's an incredible player. He's going to be great to watch this year. And uh, he got a, a nice, you know, look at the basket and uh, had a shot rattle in, rattle out, and Baylor ends up falling uh, to Brazil in this gold medal game. So not the results that you would have wanted, but, you know, I still think very valuable uh, opportunity for this team and, and a fun little glimpse into what you can kind of expect, especially once you get, oh, I don't know, several of your better players back. Yeah, and that shot that you're mentioning by Keontae was even crazier than that because if it was USA rules, that probably goes in. Yeah. But unfortunately, Brazil was able to block it off of the, uh, you know, after it hit the rim and went straight up in the air, guys yeah. able to go up and block it. Uh, heck of an opportunity, and he almost made it. Throughout the entire tournament, Keontae George was just phenomenal. And I, I expected nothing less. This guy is an NBA draft prospect, a guy who could be a top 10 pick next year. And I think it's one of those situations where, you saw it really early, kind of what Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan could do for this Baylor team. But as the season progressed, you started to see Sohan kind of take take that leap, right? He took the leap throughout his season, whereas Kendall kind of remained the same player he was at the beginning of the year. I think what you're seeing from Keontae is he's going to immediately be able to step in and score for this team. And because of that, my goodness, I mean, when he gets to play alongside Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer, uh, along with Jalen Bridges, who played really well in this tournament as well. I mean, they're going to be really, really dangerous. And, I mean, they, they have a chance to be far better than they were a year ago. And last year's team was really, really good when they were healthy. Um, but, yeah, Keontae averaged 23 points per game. Uh, shot 36% from three on nine three-point attempts per game, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he dealt with turnover problems, but again, 3.6 turnovers when you're asked to really be the team's you know main scoring option as a true freshman makes a lot of sense. Like that, that number will come down when he doesn't have to be the primary ball handler. The other thing I loved is you got to see him play off ball a ton, which he's going to have to do a lot this year because you're going to have Flagler and Cryer bring the ball up a ton, so you need him to be able to get open on the wing, come off screens, be able to create offense from the wing, and he showed an ability to do that. So I'm very, very intrigued by this. I, this is a great step in the right direction towards this team being really good, and that's just the Keontae George side. All these other guys got great experience. Dale Bonner, um, he got experience. He averaged 11 points per game. Jalen Bridges averaged 10 points per game. Um, both of them played solid. Bridges shot 36% from three, which is really, really good. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of things to take away and just kind of go, okay, I can see why this team is projected as highly as they are, and I think they're going to be you know, one of the top three or four teams in the country next year. Yeah, certainly uh, the hype seems to be real, and uh, you know, interesting to see all these new guys for the first time. You know, whether it's Caleb Loner or just, I mean, name them, uh, Jalen Bridges or you know, whoever. Antoine Grimes. Yeah, Antoine you know. Grimes got in there. So yeah, cool to see a lot of these new faces, and we still uh, haven't seen them all together just yet. Because uh, as you just mentioned, and we have mentioned, a lot of guys not playing. So. Um, Cool to, cool to see that. Uh, cool to get a little appetizer, so to speak, ahead of next basketball season. And I know that there's been a lot on the site written about it, and Ashley's all over it, and everybody's all over it that typically is all over Baylor basketball. So 
if you enjoy that and uh, want to dive more into that, just go on over to the premium boards, and there's plenty of basketball discussion over there coming out of uh, Global Jam. Uh, so, anything before we get in the mailbag here? No, I, I just think, uh, again, just exciting times on the sports side. So, let's dive in. Scotty B, the Baylor King, if you had to project the top five defenses in the Big 12 for football this season, who would those teams be in your opinion? Yeah, I got Baylor and Oklahoma State as the top tier, um, but I think Oklahoma's going to be right behind them with Brent Venables there, and then I got Iowa State and Kansas State. I got a pull up the freaking big 12 here yeah i I think those first two that i mentioned will just kind of build off of last year's success i think oklahoma is going to have a complete you know shift here and i think their defense is going to be really good and then i view iowa state and kansas state as being very similar on the defensive side just really good cultures that i think is going to allow them to to maintain high level of play on the defensive side yeah, you rattling those all yeah baylor oklahoma state k-state iowa state and who was your fifth one oklahoma um yeah, I mean, with Venables, yeah, um, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really too too uh, gaga over West Virginia or Texas Tech or Kansas or Texas for that matter. So yeah, that that makes sense, and those are those are safe bets. Uh, anyways, who uh, that's what Scotty says. Anyways, I want to mention my friend Christy Wallace made Australian women's national basketball team for 2022 FIBA Cup in Sydney. Starts September 21st, lasts till October 1st. Proud of her on this achievement. So. Uh, congrats to Christy Wallace, former Baylor women's basketball star and making the Australian women's national basketball team. Travel Bear, how confident are we in Baylor being picked to win the conference this season? Road games at Texas, OU, Iowa State, Tech, West Virginia, places that are not easy to win. Plus, they struggled at Oklahoma State and TCU last year. Does the team make strides away from home, in your opinion? Yeah, I mentioned at the top, I'm, I'm starting to not be as confident. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, I, I, you have to be realistic on the situation. Just kind of look at the schedule. It's tough. Like, their, their schedule is really tough. And I know, just talking with Jack and Garrett earlier, they were talking about, you know, how the West Virginia and the Texas game, those are midweek games, and they both could be night games. The West Virginia one is definitely a Thursday night. The Texas one could be a Friday night game. That's tough on the road. um, Those won't be easy at Oklahoma, a place they've only won, what, one time ever. I mean, that's going to be really, really difficult as well. Um, I think they're still going to be a great team. I still think they're probably going to be, you know, a team that only loses maybe two or three times in conference. But I'm kind of leaning more towards them going, you know, 10-2 and two or 9-3 and three, as opposed to how some, you know, are feeling, you know, 11-1 or 12-0. and 0. I'm more of like 8-4. and four. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I mean, and I think I've said that before. But if not, I'm, I'll make that clear now. But, yeah, I'm leaning more towards that than I am towards double-digit wins. Um and I've felt that way for a while because of the schedule and because, like, for example, and, and everybody here can vouch for this, I know that, you know, Travis, for example, has been very high on this team and, and the reasons why. And I've been debating on writing an article almost like the bizarro version of his positivity. And I just haven't found a way to kind of craft it and put it together. And plus, I still have a lot of questions. And, and I, I'm interested to hear from Dave Aranda. But been seeing a lot like them being voted first place. Like, I can see the argument for that. I wouldn't necessarily have voted them first, but I see the argument for it. I, I could see them winning it. And after last year, like, you can't say they don't have a chance to win it because, I mean, who expected that last year? Even if you expected them to win it last year, you didn't expect them to win it like that, like how they ended up doing it. So, um, and we all know how it felt after that TCU loss. I mean, the sky was falling, and, and they had no chance, and it just turned into magic, basically. So, no, I'm not super high on them being the, the big favorites to win this conference, and their schedule has a lot to do with it, and just 
questions that the skill positions has a lot to do with it. And so I've been thinking about how to write basically the anti-article to his positivity, but I can't do it without making it sound like, just let me shoot holes through everything you're saying. And, you know, I'm just, I don't want it to be like that. Um, so I haven't been able to find the way to phrase it, but I could phrase it on this podcast. No, I don't think that they're going to be 10 and 2. I don't think that they're going to win the Big 12, and I do think they're going to be really good, but I am not nearly as positive as, as some like he is, for example, or some others, I guess, on the board that, that feel the same way. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at more like 8 and 4. 8 and 4. Okay, so are you leaning more towards, like, you would say you're leaning, like, 8 and 4, you're leaning 7 and 5, or 8 and 4, you're leaning 9 and 3? I mean, I'd lean 9 and 3, but... 9 and 3, okay. I mean, and, and that's fair. I totally think that's fair. I do... My pushback on this is the fact that I do think when you look through the Big 12, there's almost always two teams that have double-digit wins. And when I look through this conference, I'm not sure I see another candidate to win 10 games outside of Oklahoma State. So that's my only hesitation there is that that's putting a lot of stock in Texas being really good, which we haven't seen in quite a while, and in Kansas State somehow elevating themselves when they couldn't even beat Baylor with a backup quarterback last year at home in a night game. Like, I, I just, I, there's other ways to also be realistic about it. I do think 9-3, and 10-2 and two is more realistic than that 11-1 point. Um, but I just, I can't see them going, war- I have said this, I don't think the floor can be any worse than 8-4. and four. I just don't see them losing more than four games. Um, but I lean more towards that 9-3, and 10-2 and two mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying 8-4 and four is my, if you just yeah. average it out, I'll throw 8-4 and four out there. I'm not going lower than that, and I'm not feeling great going to 10 wins either. Um, and, hey, if he turns out to be right and everybody that's predicting a you know back-to-back, hey, I'd be I'd be all for that, but I'm just not that positive on them uh, for a variety of reasons. The schedule being one of them, um, Blake Shapin, I mean, I need to see more before I start just getting fully blown away by his talents. I mean, we've seen him play t- all of two games, basically, mm-hmm. so... I mean, I just think we've written, we've said a lot about a guy who's played two games for the most part. Um, I need to see more than that. Um, And yeah, I mean, they lose a lot. Uh, You know, I understand you recruit well and all that, but we're still talking about guys who played a lot of football games that you relied on heavily that are now gone. I don't care how good the talent you brought in is. I understand that you reload or whatever, and they will do that to some extent, but they didn't just lose just good players. They lost legendary Hall of Fame players, multiple, on just defense alone. So I get it. The O-line's back and Squirrel's healthy and all this other stuff. And I, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. That's why, I'm, that's why I haven't written the articles because I'm like, how do I not make it sound as though I'm so negative? You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's my concern, not so much debating. It's just like, how do I make it not sound super negative? Because eight and four shouldn't sound like a negative, but I know that it will come across that way when expectations are so high. Yeah. So I mean, then I guess the question has to be, you know, if they're going to go six and three or five and four in the conference, then that means there are going to be at least three, maybe four teams that are above them. So you think it'll be all the the other four teams that were inside that top five will all finish ahead of Baylor? Um, I don't know. Okay. I haven't. I mean, I haven't broken it down by game by game. I'm just yeah. saying in general. I think that they. I would lean if I have to put my paycheck on. I'm going more towards eight and four than ten mm-hmm. and two. Yeah, and is it six and three in conference or five? Like, do you think they'll lose to BYU? Maybe. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Now, yeah, I haven't. I haven't sat down and gone like win loss win loss. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't done it all that way. But yeah, I could see them losing to BYU on the road. And sure. then six and three in conference, which would sure. still be a very good mark. I mean, they yeah. almost lost to Texas Tech last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, at home. 
They nearly didn't make the Big 12 title game. If Jonathan Garibay makes a field goal at the end, they go to overtime, and who knows what the heck happens. Yeah. I mean, um, so, I mean, there's one game, uh, and I know there's others that you could say, well, coin flip or whatever here and there. I mean, they should have beat TCU, but I, I'm just – I think a lot of teams are going to be better. I don't think they're going to be necessarily as good as they were last year, and I think they're on the road a lot. And as you said at the very beginning, they got uh, Black Friday against Texas in Austin, uh, Thursday night in Morgantown, West Virginia, for a team that's supposed to be expected to be better. So, yeah, I mean, and to to say this, and again, I can already feel how negative this sounds, and that's why I haven't written an article about it. Because you're hearing me say it, and it sounds negative, and I'm not even trying to be negative. It's just I don't think they're going to be 12 and two Big 12 champs again. That's yeah, all. And I mean, 12 and two is such a lofty expectation. Yeah, like, and I understand like, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, hey, they're going to lose two more games and be eight and four. Oh, boo! Yeah, like, I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah. So that's that's why I haven't put I mean, an article together. As we've talked about, eight and four would still be a good year. Be a great like, that's, year. That's It'd be a freaking year. great year. Like, yeah. who are we talking about? Is this Alabama? I mean, what are we what are we doing here? I mean, let's be realistic about it. This ain't this ain't Saban running the show here just just yet. I mean, Aranda's great, but. You know, yeah, eight and four, I think, would be very respectable. Um, you know, certainly a little bit of a disappointment, but yeah, I mean, last year was was pretty freaking special. I mean, when you when you think back on it. So, anyways, we we can talk for an hour on just my opinion on next year's team, <laughs> I guess, and maybe there will be an article out. But yeah, and we will talk way more about it as we yeah, get we got too. we got time. Uh, Yankee Bear uh, or Captain Jacob, who is your favorite? Not necessarily best football and basketball player to watch during games. I assume it's got to be guys on this year's teams. I'll say Keontae George now. Yeah, um, that's who I was going to say. And uh, football-wise, squirrel for me. Go squirrel and Keontae. I need to see uh, somebody play for more than five minutes. Um, <laughs> but he's fun to watch when he plays. He's fun right? to watch, but, I mean, I just can't even tell – like. <laughs> His highlight reel is 90 seconds long. I mean, that, that's a, the only thing. It's a dang fun 90 seconds, y- Yeah, I guess. Um, see, again, not trying to doubt, but I'm just being realistic here. Uh, on the current football team, I, I guess Siaki Ika would be a, a fun player to watch for me. Uh, or I, I don't know. I, I, a lot of the guys that you typically go to from last year are now gone. Um, and there's basically nothing proven on offense, um, you know, as far as the skill guys go. I guess Ben Sims uh, would be one of them. I enjoy watching him. Um, but yeah, there's there's a few guys. I don't ha- I don't have like a strong favorite though. Go like I like I'd say a Jalen Petrie last year. I don't have a guy like that this year just yet. Um, so who'd you say? Oh, Keontae George and Squirrel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jacob also says, love the content you guys have been putting out lately. Bearcast and other football content with Travis has been awesome all offseason. Well, thank you, Jacob. Do appreciate uh, you, and uh, thank you for the question. But, yeah, go Keontae George. That's a new one. And then, um, yeah, any any number of guys, quite frankly, on, on the football side. Yankee Bear, how frequently do you visit a football recruits 365 ranking, and what would influence your decision to change it? Who has the final say at Sikkim 365 on the ranking? Yeah, I have the final say in all rankings. I do all the rankings, and I typically do it as things progress or after camps or when I get to see a kid in person, I'll update a ranking. Uh, Typically, I try to do it like every two months. I'll go in and adjust where I see fit. 
um, specifically guys who Baylor's in on, commits as well. Uh, and then I kind of go through the state of Texas as well and try to update those at least, you know, three, four times a year, the guys who Baylor doesn't have a chance with, but I still like updating those rankings just for to so Baylor can so people can get an idea of, you know, the guys that Baylor's landed in the state where they rank against other guys in the state. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the way I do it in the process I go through. What has been your favorite interview with a recruit to date? Man, that's tough. I've done a bunch of interviews um, with a ton of recruits. You know, I think, you know, one that was really good was the Baylor had a game, a game, and uh, Kyron Drones came by the studio, and we had to do it outside. We weren't even able to do it in the studio, but it was really cool just to talk to Kyron. It was kind of, you know, right after a game, it's really fun to talk to a recruit. And then also he had committed somewhat recently, been committed, and uh, was a guy who I just think Baylor loved. And then I got to see him in person, talk to him. It just was a really, really good interview. So that's one that stood out. I've gotten to talk to Austin Novosad a ton. So it's kind of hard to pick just one interview with him that I've liked. Um, and I mean, there's been a lot of guys like CJ Stroud at the opening was really cool to talk to as well. I can tell you my least favorite was with um, Bobby Wolf and Eric Young over here at the uh, the hotel over there. My first interview at Sikkim 365. That was absolutely the worst one ever. Uh, Bobby Wolf now at Arizona. Is that right? Maybe. If he's still playing. Eric Young just transferred from AM, I believe. Not sure where he ended up, but neither at AM anymore. <laughs> yep. But uh, man, a whole lot of trash talking back then, huh? That's it's yeah. That's uh Yeah. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, both were gonna take their time with their recruitment and then they both committed to AM very shortly. Bobby committed the next day, which was absolutely hilarious. I got a lot of flack for that one. Uh, well, it happens. Uh, what is, uh, let's see, did Colt ask you for your opinion on naming his last child or latest child? If not, that's not cool. Hashtag fam forever. So that's from Yankee Bear. I uh, know we didn't get we any didn't input, no uh, but congratulations to Colt on the new kiddo and congratulations to Paul Catalina on the engagement. Uh, big week for the Sikkim 365 staff. Flomo Mike, I think most Baylor fans will tell you Bryce Petty is the most impactful quarterback to play since RG3. How would you compare Shapin? Developed drones and hopefully developed Austin Novosad to Bryce's game. Thanks for all the great content. Yeah, I would say um, Shapin, very different than Bryce. Um, strong arm like Bryce, much more mobile, uh, much more ability in the pocket. Drones is much more athletic, a much better runner than Petty. Not as... Um, not as accurate as Bryce was. Big arm, but again, not as accurate, especially on the deep ball. I would actually say I think Austin is the closest to being like Bryce as far as, you know, a great pocket passer who has just a beautiful deep ball. Uh, I think Austin's ceiling is much higher, though. He's more accurate, a better athlete than Bryce was. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how I would compare him. And, and also, remember, Bryce was in a scheme that was just so different to the scheme that, that it is now. Um, so I'm not sure he would quite fit in as well as he did in this offense with the, you know, the Browse offense. He was just perfect, perfect for it. Uh, Mikey, hey, gents, thanks for your hard work and great insight as always. I hope this hasn't been asked already. In the scenario that college football becomes the big two and everyone else, uh, would Baylor Athletics be better off as a possibly likely weaker contender in the SEC Big Ten or a strong contender in the Big 12, whatever conference is left to be in, sorry in advance, Craig, for the hypothetical. I know those are your favorite, LOL. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind them to some extent, but, like, they can get a bit ridiculous sometimes. Or uh, Yeah, sometimes I might not be in the mood for trying to, like, the whole meme of, like, the chart, you know, and you're kind of like, that's, yeah. in my head, it can kind of feel like that sometimes. But, no, I'm, this one's pretty clear cut and uh, no problem at all. But uh, what do you think, Grayson? I think if there's a big two, you want to be in the big two. I 
that's just how I feel about it. Now, if there's a big three and you can actually win a national championship, then I think it's better off to be in the Big 12. But I'm going to go with if you have a chance to get inside the Big 2, then you have to take that shot. I, I don't see why you, you wouldn't want to. If Baylor was in the Big 2, that means they're getting $100 million per school like everybody else. Uh, then I think they'll compete with everybody else and be just fine. And I don't think they would be a weak link by any means. I don't think they're going to just be Vanderbilt. Um, I mean – they're already at a disadvantage, and they're still going and winning titles. I mean, you know, UT and OU are still making way more money and yet complaining about the fact that they're not making more and more money. And um, so, you know, when you look at it the way that it is, they're already at a slight disadvantage, if not a great disadvantage. Um, but you actually put them on an even playing field. It's just that the brands are just bigger names by default, but everybody's making pretty much the same money. Get Baylor $100 million per year and watch what they win. I'd be very confident that they would not be, even in the big two, uh, some weak link in the chain. Um, but I understand where you're coming 10. from. Huh? Yeah, especially not in the Big Ten. They would be just fine in the Big Ten. And SEC, yeah. they'd have a great chance as well. So, yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I understand too, but, I mean, let's think about it. Yeah, give them $100 million to yeah. use an, an IL and all that jazz with what they've got culturally right now, and, and they'll be – a okay. I don't care if it's Bama or whoever else. Um, I'm not saying they go and beat those teams and regularly win national titles, but I absolutely believe they could compete with them on a on a fair plane. Um, so, but to your question, I mean, yeah, you'd rather be in the Big Two if that's your only choice. If it's a hundred million dollars per year or being basically in the Conference USA <laughs> with no chance at playing for anything, then yeah, give me a hundred million to go seven and six. You know, I, I'd take that versus. 10 and one in the, you know, North Texas championship game or whatever. Yeah, and no one cares about you. No one cares. You're kind of like North Dakota state right. at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Okay. So thank you, Mikey, for the question. Uh, and doc crow will wrap us up here with KRD's weight updates. Says kind Roberts day. Are you feeling confident? He contributes at running back his first year. Yeah. So he's down to 265 pounds, which is great. Um, he still has a ways to go. He wants to be at 255 by the end of fall camp. I just, I, would be very stunned if he is a major contributor during his first year at running back. I, it's just so hard to be a primary contributor as a true freshman. Now, he's got great size, great athleticism, and all of that. But as long as Squirrel and Tay McWilliams are healthy and hopefully guys like Jordan Jenkins and Josh Fleeks can emerge, then it's just hard to see a path to playing time. Now, if he does get on the field, if he's actually good enough to play at that weight and is their third best running back or second best running back, my goodness, then Baylor might have an absolute superstar in their hands for the coming years. Does Baylor get their next star nose tackle through high school or portal means? Um, they're going to get their next starting nose tackle in the transfer portal, I think. I think that Trey Emery is going to be a very good one, but he's going to be a guy that they shouldn't have as their primary starter next year. I think they're going to have to go find a transfer portal guy. And then the other guy is Samu out of Atascacita, a guy that they're in on still. He's making his decision July 31st. I think he could be an absolute superstar. Um, he He's kind of in that mold of Apu. Um, so he could be a guy in that means. But I think their starter next year will be out of the portal. But I do think their next star will be probably out of high school. Who's one player you'd each take from one side of the football and make them play on the other side? Kyan Roberts Day. <laughs> yeah. play, play defense. Um, uh, maybe, and then offensive. I mean, defense to offense? Oof. Um, 
man, even Quaylen Jones is up for debate on offense to defense. He'd be an intriguing one as well. But defense to offense is just so different. Um, I'm not really thinking of a good candidate that could make that switch. That'd be like, man, he'd be a perfect fit on the offensive side. It's usually offense to defense more so than it is defense to offense. Uh, Dylan Doyle, a fullback. How about that? There okay. you go. There's yeah. defense to offense. Oh, wait, we've seen that, but I'll still count yeah. it anyways because that's the best thing I can think of. Yeah, the best I can think of, I guess, is like Reggie Bush because Reggie Bush played running back at his high school and is a great athlete, can kind of do a variety of things. So I guess he'd be the guy that I would go with. Yeah, and then offense to defense. I mean, Connor Roberts Day is a, a good uh, bet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's so many guys we haven't even seen yet, um, especially at the skill spots. I know Cam Bonner and Seth Jones were two guys that a lot of people thought would play defensive back at some point, corner. Um, so maybe those two could yeah, be Yeah, I'm just thinking of, like, just... receivers could play corner and corner could yeah. play receiver and, like, just any number of those guys. But I don't really have a full-blown, a full blown like, yeah, that guy. I mean, Connor Roberts Day would be the obvious one, though, just because of, of what was been said about him and his size and all of that. And Quaylen, I think, makes sense because yeah. everyone's Quaylen talked Jones. about that, yeah. too. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe we're getting – I mean, we'll see this year, I think. We'll be yeah. at that point of where we kind of know if he's going to be a running back or not and, and it, whether he needs a change, but we'll see how this season plays out. But interesting question, and I haven't seen a ton of uh, position moves. Uh, or It doesn't seem as many as we kind of saw there for a little stretch where guys are sort of moving around a little bit. Uh, also asks – uh, who is one play? Okay, uh, why is the Big 12 not pushing the mantra that it's the best basketball conference in the country like the SEC has done for years in football? Three straight title appearances and two straight victories. I'd be putting all spare money towards crowning yourself the basketball conference and let that solidify your standing value. Three straight title appearances? What was the first one? Texas Tech. Oh, yeah, Tech. Okay, yeah, in 2019, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they are pushing it. Maybe not to the level that that uh, the SEC is pushing football, but the SEC has done this in football for a lot longer uh, than the Big 12 has for basketball. So, I mean, they should push it more. I do agree it needs to be more, you know, local. They need to be more local, vocal about it. Um, but, yeah, I also think football is the, the crown and jewel. Football is where you make the money. So, yeah, I get it. I think basketball reporters have said that ad nauseum. I think I've seen it out there plenty, uh, you know, social media and whatever, the Big 12 is the best basketball conference. I just don't think as many people care. Yeah. Um, and I also don't think you have an entire network basically brainwashing people, telling them how great you are all the time for year after year after year, as has been going on for two decades with the SEC and football and ESPN and CBS and everything else they've been attached to. And look, a lot of the time it's been absolutely legitimate. They've won the national title or had teams play for the national title or been right there. But, I mean, there's also been some level of indoctrination on the part of ESPN that's been intentional um, with the way they've, you know, set, talked about the product and set it up and it's been displayed and portrayed in comparison to others. I mean, just look simply at last summer and the big – uh, 12 basically having to fend off ESPN from coming and taking its two trophy pieces to take where? Oh, to the SEC under the ESPN umbrella. I mean, it's been by design as much as anything. And, um, you know, the teams ultimately have to win, but they benefited from all that publicity and, and that indoctrination and that, that uh, quite frankly, propaganda in, in some ways. It's been some of that. And, you know, you get that level of marketing and then you back it up with wins from various teams and star players and boom here you have this conference that's seemingly untouchable yeah. and um i mean there's just 
Who's going to do that for the Big 12 in basketball? First of all, who cares about basketball that much to take it as seriously as people take the SEC in football? Nobody is going to take it that serious or there's not enough people. And then what network's going to come and just throw it out there every five seconds? ESPN has no interest in doing that. So, yeah, that's kind of where you are. Yeah, I, I agree. The network is a big part of that, right? They've, they've really bought onto that SEC football you know, bandwagon, and they've really promoted it. So that would help the Big 12 if their media partner was actually doing that. But it just hasn't been as, as vocal, like I said. And I do think the Big 12 does need to make a conservative effort to mention that as much as they can. But I also think, like, just go out and keep winning. Like, yeah. who cares? Who cares what other people are saying? Yeah, that's, that's ultimately, I mean, go out win four or five titles in a row and then people would have no you know ever win it this year again and I don't think anybody would have a choice but to pay attention to it but uh yeah different sports different popularity different uh levels of marketing I think also in play there so appreciate the question and uh, that is going to wrap us up for this week uh Baylor will be in front of the media on Wednesday with their player reps and Dave Aranda and we'll hear from the new commissioner Brett Yormark um, anything else before we go, Grayson? No, just be sure to check out Sikkim 365 Premium. Tons of great content on all sports, and we're going to continue to have great content throughout the offseason. Of course, 365 Sports Radio, 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and this week live at Big 12 Media Days. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yep, uh, should be a good time. We'll have various coaches on, and uh, we'll have, I would think, Dave Aranda on at some point, but uh, looking forward to being out and about and uh, really kicking off the season in, in so many ways, even though we still have a few weeks left to go. This is the unofficial kickoff, and as I said, we have moved from the offseason to the preseason now officially, and uh, let the fun begin. So uh, thanks to uh, the good folks behind the scene, Jack and Garrett. Uh, thanks to Grayson Grundhafer, and thanks to all of you out there for listening as well. Keep spreading the word and uh, keep tuning in. We do appreciate you, whether you ask questions or not, but for those that do, appreciate that as well. And until next time... This has been the Bearcast on Sikkim 365 Radio, Sikkim365.com.